the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 38, recorded Friday, April 20th, 2012. It's not a hologram. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. This is AV Week. AV. AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. I am your host, Tim Albright. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this week, we have a couple of lovely ladies, and then uh, a Yehu that sits beside me. Um... Uh, the lovely ladies, the uh, first up, is the lovely Dawn Mead. She is also known as AV Dawn. She is the marketing and media coordinator for NetAV, as well as a blogger and other sort of really cool things. Welcome, ma'am. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, guys. Uh, the other lovely lady is Miss Sarah Abrams. She is the editor uh, of Rave Publications. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks uh, for having me. Absolutely. And also, uh, Michael Drainer, he is the Sound and AV Systems Manager for Tech Electronics in St. Louis, Missouri. Hello, folks. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Tupac being back from the dead, sort of, kind of, he performed last weekend, and I'm still not quite sure how. The Tupac? Tupac, you know, yes. the Tupac, Biggie, Tupac, anyhow. Um, AMX came out with a configuration software and why that's important uh, the uh, Rave Publications, the guys that host our fine podcast and other stuff, have come out with Reader's Choice Awards. We're going to go down, down those. And a new place where you can get RoboCop, because <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited about it. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about Ikea. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just all giggly this Friday. <laughs> Uh, if you don't know who Ikea is or what Ikea is, um, it's uh, a furniture company. And before you turn off the podcast and think to yourself, I wonder why I'm listening about furniture and a AV show, they're selling HDTVs. And, and yes, that's and keep going with me. Keep, keep with me here. Basically, what they're doing is, and IKEA is a is a furniture company. They have a couple of uh, number of stores around the country. They have very, very, very rabid fans. Um, and so you are going to go into IKEA and be able to buy a piece of furniture with a built-in HDTV. Um, Gary K has been saying for years, if you know, to, to to not base your business solely on the the flat panel business. And actually, he wrote a blog post about this. And I quote: "If you're not making money selling HDTVs now, you never will." So get out of it. Stop it. Uh, Don, is this is this just one more list of why you shouldn't be selling or at least making it your, your primary business selling HDTVs? Or is it the last nail on the coffin and we should all jump ship as quickly as possible? Well, I don't think it's necessarily a, a, you know, a jump ship situation. I mean, there's always going to be a reason to carry 
various products of various types. But if if that's your entire business model is making money on equipment and not just flat panels or HDTVs, but any piece of equipment in 2012, if that's your business model, I, I said this in a recent column for Rave, if that's your business model, put up your crimpers and dust off your resume because it isn't going to pay in the long run. I mean, it, it, we, we are truly no longer in a manufacturing society. We are truly no longer in a product society. It's a service society. And if you're not making money doing service as an integrator, forget it. And I mean, the fact that IKEA now has LCD panels and flat panels, HDTVs, it's just one more step in that direction. I mean, we, we heard this about a decade ago when Staples started carrying projectors. You know, it's the same thing. They've become a commodity and it's just not the big margin markup, you know, fancy thing that it used to be. It, it's just a changed, you know, it's a sea change. We, we have to yeah. deal with it and move on. Uh, we Gary and I actually talked about this in our daily show the other day, and um, he indicated that one of his uh, people that work he works with is one of the world's biggest IKEA fans. <laughs> Apparently, she's not. <laughs> she just likes to go there a couple times in her life. So uh, that person is is Sarah. <laughs> so uh, Sarah, is this it, 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 is he right, or or should you know, uh, like, like Don said, should we dust off our, our resume? Uh, and and get out of this business? Well, I don't think that um, anyone, any integrator has been making a lot of money on especially uh, consumer displays for a while. So that's not that surprising. It's more just like the epitome of commoditization coming true because you're not really buying a TV. You're buying a piece of furniture. So they've turned a TV into a piece of furniture. Mm. And sort of more interestingly, they are doing some of the work the integrator used to do for us, uh, for the customer. They're integrating all of the pieces together, including the audio and the content provider, which is the Blu-ray player in this case, and the display into a nice looking piece of furniture. So all you have to do is plug it in. Um, that's not to say that there's not tons of opportunity for systems integrators in um, elsewhere. I mean, yeah, there's still obviously a, this is not this is just one thing. Yeah. All right, Michael, you're an integrator. Um, should you sign up to be an IKEA deal, dealer? Absolutely. <laughs> Man, my wife wants to go to IKEA every chance she well, gets. Holy cow! But, um, but your wife aside, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you not- know, we haven't we haven't you know proactively promoted displays in quite some time you know they're they're in addition to our systems we sell solutions we sell outcomes we don't sell hardware and if you're in the integration business and you're trying to make it selling hardware and you're finding the struggle man you have got it all wrong and just talking to what don and and sarah saying it's about the services and i think you know uh, sarah you made a good point that they're taking a display and turning it into a piece of furniture but what they're really doing is they're providing a service and they're, they're taking that service of integration and incorporating it into a product that they already do really well and um, so it's it's the perfect marriage it really is and it, it makes it easy for the consumer to go pick out uh, a piece of furniture that looks good and you're not shopping specs on displays and all this kind of stuff it's like oh yeah that looks good i'll buy that 
Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's cool. Um, you know, for those of us who, who are in the service business, it's not really a threat. So you don't, you don't think people are walking up and going, okay, you know, this cabinet comes with this HDTV that has this spec. People aren't doing that. They're just saying that cabinet is cute. And oh, by the way, it comes with, with this TV as an accessory almost. All right. I get, we got two ladies on the line here. Who makes the purchasing decisions? <laughs> Women. Exactly. Well, yeah. Well, and the, and the other thing is that we have to keep in mind is, um, you know, aside from geeks like us who are in the industry and love this stuff, it isn't every person in the world, male or female, they don't necessarily read spec sheets on every single thing. Yeah. They hear a few buzzwords here and there. Or one of their buddies that is a geek knows this stuff and says, you want to get a blah, blah. But they don't know what a blah, blah is or even care. They I just think want anyone- something that looks good. I don't think anyone that buys this product is going to be thinking about specs. specs. No, absolutely <laughs> right. not. They, I mean, I did read in an art, another article that it's an LED TV, and that's probably all the spec they need to know. Well, see, that you know? would make me even buy it even more. Yeah. Regardless of how cute it is, that I, I like LEDs, so, you know. What, what's yeah, but really they're not going to ask. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was I mean, going to say what's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Sarah. Go, go ahead. All right. All right. Sarah, go first. Gonna We're going to put a cop at the like intersection here. Ask whether it's an edlet, edgelet LED TV or the other kind. Or backlit. Or, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, backlit. Yeah. The question is, does it look good once you put it in right. that? You know, does it yeah. look good around the, the hearth? Yeah, and they're, and they're not going to even think about that. They're going to say, does it look good in the store? And that's right. going to correlate to them thinking that exactly. it should look good in the living room. Well, because really, right. if you get down to display technology, I mean, you, you go to the to any retail establishment and you look at them. Really, they're all pretty darn close. I mean, there's differences, and the geeks really notice it. And maybe the tech didn't calibrate the brightness on one as well as they did the other, whatever the case is. But maybe you you get them you get them away from one another. They all look the same, you know. And yeah. so I'm going to get emails on that one, but really to the consumer, it's 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 equal. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And what I find interesting about this is it's almost a throwback concept because prior to, you know, my lifetime or even just, you know, in the early parts of my lifetime, TVs were furniture. Oh, yeah. yeah the big yeah. cabinets. My, yeah. my mom had and, and, and until recently, I mean, this is kind of sad, but, you know, she kept going this big honking piece of beautiful furniture that matched her living room suit, you know, and it was a TV and she didn't care what kind of components it had. And, and my dad didn't care what kind of buttons or inputs or outputs, as long as it made them, they were able to watch their news and their Lawrence welcome, whatever. (laughs) And it was this big matching cute piece of furniture. And so, you know, we've gone from that to everybody cares about every component and every spec and every little detail. And now we're kind of reverting back to, it's furniture again. Right, it's a yeah. one piece, one solution. This is going to look great in my living room, and the picture's good. So what the heck? Let's get it. It's simple. I have you know? a friend that's, that. Uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were finished. I was say that, that that's that's where we're going. It's sort of like very hipster retro, I guess. Hipster retro. Wow. I had a I had a friend that turned one into an aquarium. Nice. What, and, <laughs> the actually, and, and forgive me because I don't remember what show Matt Scott said this on, but Matt Scott, he's he runs uh, Omega Audio Video up in, in London, Ontario. Um, he has a friend of his, or a friend of his dad's, who for years had the tube replaced. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at one point even had a, a flat panel installed <laughs> into their console uh, because they liked the piece of, piece of furniture so much that they just kept upgrading the actual guts to match whatever it was that was, you know, the latest, greatest technology. So, yeah, right. that's a very good point. I like that. 
this week is uh, NAB. NAB is the National Association of Broadcasters. It's a really big show in Vegas. And one of the guys that have kind of made some some noise this week uh, when it comes to broadcasters as well as AV, and that's the folks over at Red. Now, not that you guys need to know this, but when when we do these stories, I'll send the 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 panel out a list of of you know stories that we're doing, and and we'll we'll shoot back and forth before we actually press the record button. And my buddy Michael over here is going, okay, so what's the big deal about about this whole Red 4K Cinema Laser Projector? I said Red 4K Cinema Laser Projector. It's a freaking laser projector, Michael. That's what the big it's deal cool. is. It's cool. I said it's cool. You no, know? you didn't. You're sure. like, what's the big deal? <laughs> I don't like lasers. I like CRTs. I like three cannons. That's what you like. You want a freaking Barco three guns, with CRT. three guns, <laughs> and it's the size of a freaking Yugo and weighs twice as much. Yeah, very true. So why isn't this a big deal? No, it is a big deal. I think it's. I think it's pretty cool. I, when I first read the article, I was like, "Okay, another projector." And then I'm like, "Oh, wait a minute, Red. Those are the guys that made the camera." Oh, uh-huh. wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> it just took a minute. So. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it it's it is um, uh, an interesting proposition that the manufacturer of the acquisition hardware is actually making the display hardware as well but it's smart isn't it it i think it is i mean to have full control point to point um but you know it's it's really not a lot different than you know take panasonic for instance or sony right they made projectors and they made cameras but they really didn't go into the seamless integration from the acquisition to the display and i think that's something that red is really trying to approach here with the um, the quality of the product, um, and and the product being not the not the hardware, but the um, the content that is being created. Do me a favor, don't don't correlate um, red with Sony right now. It'd be a bad thing. <laughs> this is true, uh, Sarah. Okay, in their better years. How okay, about that? Thank you, um, Sarah. We were also talking about this. Another cool thing is that you've got a freaking red laser projector for under ten grand. Yeah. Um, well, there's a couple interesting things here. The fact that Red, a really well-respected uh, camera manufacturer, is entering the projector market, um, which obviously they have a lot of big fans. And two, that the alleged price point of this projector is under ten grand for the home theater version. Mm-hmm. Um, if they get there, that's an incredible price point. I mean, Sony's 4K projector for the home theater was priced around 25 grand. Um, so there's there's not that much out about this projector yet. We don't know the imaging technology. We don't know the brightness. Um, we don't know when it is going to ship. So there's a lot to be discovered about it. Um, but it's certainly interesting. Well, <laughs> Dawn, we, we all love vaporware. And I'm not saying this yeah. is... <laughs> Uh, but 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 Sarah raises a, a lot of really good important points. We don't know. Ship I mean, if dates. I, were, I didn't go to NAB, but I would yeah. certainly. It's. I think it's weird to demo a projector, and have no one come home with any of those questions answered. Although from what I've read online, um, it looks like it might be a modular laser projector with a modular light engine. Which, if that's the case, that would be pretty interesting because. Um, 
laser projectors, other ones we've seen, have had issues with brightness. And mm -hmm. I don't know what the point of a 4K projector is, laser or not, if it's not super bright. Yeah. Especially but a commercial version. My question is, did they actually demo the thing? Because all the pictures I see on Engadget sites, the, they, they've got a picture of this beautiful projector sitting behind safety glass. It's like, they ooh, supposedly don't did touch demo it. it. Did they? But um, And everyone said it looked awesome, but no one has any information on anything else. So I really... Didn't I somebody have like a light meter in their pocket and just run up to the screen real quick and say, mm. Yeah. No, because the laser will know. blind you. Oh, it was um, demoed on a 24-foot screen at NEB, so, and no one complained about the brightness. Nice. But there's, I mean, they're gearing it towards 3D, which is pretty smart, but... I don't know. I looked up to see if they were an exhibitor at Infocom, and they are not. And as far as I know, they're also not planning to exhibit at CDA yet this year, So, which would make sense for them. There, there's a space available. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I hear, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't let a week go by without poking our friends. Hey, them. they could put a 24-foot screen there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Don, one thing that, that uh, it, the, in the, the documentation that is available says uh, the, the uh, home model will... will will ship quote unquote sometime this year <laughs> so let's talk about vaporware for now nah, famous last words <laughs> do you really want to go down that road no 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 but 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 talk about for a second about the you know yes you know we don't know a whole lot but is the, it just the idea and the concept cool the guys that have given us the red camera like michael said they're giving us a point-to-point -point, you know full integration you can shoot in red, and then you can you can broadcast or, or project it in red. Well, I, I, you know that 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 is a good concept. I, I would like to see them pull it off. I mean, everybody wants to be the sole source of technology and product and distribution and everything. You know, get as much profit out of a particular market or segment as possible. Um, and, and so, in that regard, you know, good luck to them. Um, I, I've got to be completely honest. You know, I don't play in the broadcast space. I never have. You know, we, when we integrated, if there was something broadcast involved, unless it was something, you know, kind of small and barely broadcast, we would sub it out or, or, or refer someone or partner. I mean, I, I've never been a big broadcast person. I never heard of Red until I got these articles this week. And, you know, they've been around since 99. They have these fabulous cameras that everybody raves about. But, being in the in the infocom space, let's just mm -hmm. say that you know commercial integration, um, even home integration, it's been like a non-name. It's like who are these people? What do you mean they're really well respected or regarded? Because I don't know them. They yeah. they could be you know they, this is one of the five by five booths in the back of the room that you just oh okay welcome <laughs> you know who are you? You know what I'm saying? They're so, people I, too. I I, I I get that, and sometimes those little five by five booths turn out to be the best. Yeah company yeah. and products you could find and they end up growing huge i mean a lot of manufacturers we really respect and use a lot today started out that way red i think if they're as fabulous as they is as you say they are with the broadcast cameras and they want to truly break into this the cinema projector market they really need to have a booth at infocom and or cedia i mean because the people that are going to be selling and installing these things don't know them well, and, you know, I mean, it's great that we're even featuring them on this podcast that people are going to get word and say, oh, yeah, Red, I know them from their cameras or, oh, who? We should check that out. But, you know, they, they've got this great sucking identity crisis right now with the people that they're going to be hopefully selling to. And, uh, 
you know, I, I, I hope that they can overcome that because if the price point is true and if the technology is true, it sounds like they've got a good product, you know? So you don't want to lose that, that, I guess, uh, Sorry, my brain just left me. That's all right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just curious <laughs> you, to know. You don't what want they're... to lose that inertia with yeah. you know with the buzz and everything because people are like, who in the hell is red? Yeah, you know? I, I want to know what their focus really is here. You know, I mean, based on the price point, you would think that it's you know higher end consumer, you know, commercial in, integration. But red red is really known for cinema cameras. Um, their their specialty is in. Um, you know the creative works and whatnot, and I kind of see them owning that little piece of the of that of that market, that niche market, and I kind of see this projector fitting in the same way. It's it's going to have its niche, it's going to have its cult following. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be able to go mainstream, and that you're going to have every integrator on the corner jumping up and down to sell it. But see, right. I, I would I would I would think you would. Now, you guys make a good, very good point. They need to be. I would say at least at Infocom. I mean, Cedia, you could do it for for the home stuff. But I can see where this would be a huge thing for, for live staging. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah but it's, go ahead. The, I'm confused on where they're positioning the projector. Right. I mean, they just yeah. right. have this information about how there's going to be an under $10,000 home theater version and then a commercial model with support for larger venues. And that's the only information that's out there. But... Um, I actually think that the application for like live events makes the most sense because they released um, just late last year a the Red Ray uh, server mm-hmm. where you can record directly from a 4K Red camera to the server, and then I'm thinking that you'll be able to like connect the projector to the server and play that content live, which is yeah. like would be an excellent application for. Um, live event, but there's no mention of that kind of application, and I don't understand like that the value for a home theater version when there's no content that they're making available. Right, and I don't know. Like, what are you going to play? Well, that's on tr- it. That's true, but the, I, you, the same argument could be made for for Sony's 4K too. I mean, that's right now some of the, and I, I think I've said this before when it comes to. You know, chicken and the egg. Do you, does do you, do you have the display technology first, and then along comes the content, or do you do it vice versa? And the way we've seen it over the last ten years, the display has come first, whether that was HD and, and the infrastructure for that, and then oh yeah, stations came on, online, and, and Blu-ray and HD DVD came out. Three um, D is the yeah. same way. You know, well, the, I totally agree with you there. I just it's more that Sony has like a hand, a large hand in the consumer space, whether mm-hmm. you guys hate them or not, they're already... They it's a matter of whether they're going to be there, there or not. They're not yeah. going to exist just, in another five I'm, years. I'm, well, putting all that aside, like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, and maybe the point Sony is... Sony can make sure that 4K content is coming to market. True. Yes. True. Given, yes. Eventually. Well, and, yeah. and that's what I was about to say. Maybe the point is Red is bringing out these projectors now to get a jump on. You know, they're already making these fabulous cameras. They're already making these fabulous servers. These Red projectors, especially the home one, may first not be, you know, designed for the market of us guys. It's like trying to get Lucas to put one in his home theater that he uses to screen exactly. his movies. I would totally understand or, there being yeah. like a super niche market of right. like you know, directors and um, DPs who want to review content there that they just shot that's sitting on their Red Ray server 
on this projector. But I mean, what's, well, I mean, this, I don't, yeah, but how many of those are there? Are they've there never out there? made a consumer product before. So no. well, to start right. with a, a 4K laser projector seems weird. Let, what about this though? What what if okay? So so Sony can can bring this to market absolutely, and they can bring the content to market absolutely because they have the they have the mechanism and they have the the channels. So what if and I I'm spitballing here. What if these guys are saying, okay, you know what, Sony's going to do it, and they're, they're, they've shown their hand, they have the projector, they have the infrastructure, they have the the, the Hollywood ties for that. We're going to be the first competitor to Sony and the yeah, 4K. That is what I'm guessing they're doing. It just is kind of a... You think it's a little bit early? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and again, maybe they're trying to drive the market. You know, you said the... the, the the player or the projector or the the hardware comes first and then the technology develops maybe they're just jumping in there with sony to try to push 4k to bring more content to market sooner so that there will be a market for these things well then at that stage it is all about market share and and, and you guys have all made a really good point these guys need to be at infocom and i'm I'm no way shape or form trying to sell booths at infocom but (laughs) but they they do i mean you you guys are right if if you've if you guys have never heard of them or don you've never heard of them that's an issue because i mean i've heard of them because of broadcast and because you know that that's where they live but you start producing projectors and i'm sorry you start producing projectors you need to be in the AV world in some way, shape, or form, whether it's the 5x5 five five booth or not, you need to have a presence and let your presence be known. Otherwise, when people are st- starting to think about 4K and 4K installations, I don't care how early you were you were into the market, you're going to be left behind if nobody knows about you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think historically the issue has just been, you know, for them to get the penetration has just been sheer price um, for them to be. Because my understanding, and I, I may not know this I may not be accurate, is that these cameras are very, very expensive. It's not like going out and buying a three-chip broadcast camera. No, they start at fifteen grand for just the body. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, 15, I'm, I mean, grand. looking on their website right now, um, what's this gunner package with the body and a basic lens is fifty grand. Mm-hmm. Okay, so seventy thousand for the for the full cinema package, and that doesn't include all the lens selections. No, the fifteen thousand dollar one is 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 their version of like a GL one. A Canon yeah. Geo, so they they, they, right. they they will go down smaller, right? Um, but yeah, their full you know replacement to a film camera, you're right, is fifty seven fifty to sixty grand. So yeah, all right. Um, from the world of AMX and control, um, AMX launches Rapid Project Maker configure system without programming. Woohoo! And we fire all the programmers. Well, here's the thing, and uh, <laughs> Ray posted something as well, and uh, about this, and, and, and actually Gary and I talked about this on the on the Daily Show. Um, the reason that this is important is a couple things. First of all, AMX was the last company to do this. Uh, they were the last control manufacturer that, in essence, you almost needed to know some version of. C, C++, Python, some sort of actual honest-to-goodness programming language to program a system, right? Well, this, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't get rid of all the programmers, Michael, Mr. Evil Integrator. Um, <laughs> Sorry. But I but I know where you're I know where you're going with this. This gives you the integrator the opportunity to configure, and I'm going to use that word, a simple system. Now, are you seriously thinking about firing all your programmers? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. You know, I mean, 
yeah, Tim, you and I have talked about this, and you and Gary talked about this the other day on the Daily Rave as well, and that's the fact that a lot of these applications create what we call bloatware. You know, it just bloats your programs. And um, oh, sorry, my video is running here. They uh, they actually debuted this in uh, at Infocom 2011 um, in uh, June of last year, and I guess it's just now shipping. But the, um, the the thing it does is it allows you to get simple systems up and going quickly and effectively and affordably. And you know, it's just one more step toward the um, commoditization, as we should say, of control systems. Um, as as you can see, we're progressing that way where it's just configurations and not programming, right? Tim? Yes. And, and no. I mean, really, I mean, so, so you're a Crestron programmer and, and you don't like System Builder. No, I don't. Right? Because, because why? It bloats everything up, but your systems don't run as efficiently. But for a small little um, conference room, it works just fine. It works. You know? Uh, Don, Mr. AB Don, <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> has uh, some, some things to do with, with, with programming and things of that, of that nature. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to, to to give his opinion necessarily, but what is your opinion about not just AMX, but just you know these these sorts of softwares in general? Uh, I can give you both of our opinions because oh. you know. <laughs> well, I, I'm not asking <laughs> you just, to. You can offer if you would like. I, I mean, the gist of it is these things are great for the small mom and pop integrator or the integrator whose programmer is so busy he's pulling his hair out, or they can't afford on a tight project to hire an outside programmer. You know, th- these sorts of things, we've been crying for them for the years. Just give us something quick and easy to get it up and running that a tech with some training and, you know, a certificate from the, co- you know, without sending them for weeks and weeks of programming training. Yeah. You know, this, so, so in that regard, it's really good. If it's like, and, and you guys brought up the topic, the, the Crestron system builder, you know, nine times out of 10, our experience with that was Mr. A.V. Dom would end up cursing and, and, and you know, yelling at the thing and, and shaking his com- fists at the computer. And then he'd just program it himself. Amen, um, sister. You know, and, and so it's, like you said, it, it causes bloat. It always po- causes glitches. Any Anytime you automate anything like this, there are going to be glitches and there will be a real programmer needed to make things work perfectly because, you know, a, a, a pre-programmed wizard-based solution is never going to account for every weird little quirky thing that a customer wants done in their control system. And believe me, they come up with some weird quirky requests. <laughs> you know, we, we once had to program a control system to open and close a garage door that the company was using to divide its conference room. I, you know, I, I'm dead serious. That's they brilliant. Was, what? Don't you fu- dare do it. Oh my gosh. They- <laughs> bye bye airwall. <laughs> They, they thought it was clever, and it was clever for about five minutes, and then it was just noisy and awful, and they hated it. Oh. <laughs> I bet they did. But, That's but genius. But the gist is, yeah, but the gist is, like, you know, how do you program that even with a system builder or an RPM? Yeah. You don't. You have to get in there with the code and figure out what the heck kind of control the little clicker from the garage door requires and, you know, work it into the actual control system. So there's always going to be a call for programmers. These make it easier for the guys without programmers or just in in a hurry to get it done. But I don't think it's the be all end all that you know the programming field will still exist. And uh, so you know, but but yay AMX for finally getting something like this. Well, yeah, yay for AMX for that. But uh, Sarah, a couple of years ago, I was I was uh, talking with some integrators. Actually, it was it was Infocom two or three years ago. Whenever uh, Extron released their TouchLink stuff and. Yeah. He was, you know, he was a small mom and pop, and he said, you know what? He made the comment, 
if this works like they say it does, and, and, and it has, it's turned out that, that yes, the TouchLink stuff does work by and large the way Xtron says it does. Um, he said, you know, I could, you know, not fire all my programmers, but, you know, not hire as many as I do. And while my guys are installing this stuff on site, I can sit down and bata bata boo, kick it out, and, and, and I'm my own programmer at that point. Do that again. Bata bata boo. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, it was weird. So is this does this kind of you know like like these guys have been saying it gives the the small smaller guys uh, a leg up and you don't necessarily have to have you know a full time AMX programmer uh, who can get expensive from time to time you know. Um, well, I guess I agree with Don, and there's always going to be, as long as the system is set up the way it is now, there's always going to be a need for custom programmers, and this does allow smaller integrators to get their foot in the door and become AMX or Crestron, whoever dealers, depending on which system you're using, um, to do simple systems without having a programmer on staff. So I think that ultimately what the way this will transform the industry is you're going to see more freelance programmers and companies doing making do when they can with these programmable type systems or I don't even know the wording is confusing. Um, the customizable systems, I guess. Let's, and call, then, let's, call, let's call the ones who use the program configurations or, or configurators. Yes, configurable configurators. Programs. <laughs> and, and guys who actually <laughs> type the code, you know, programmers. Well, you know, you know yeah. what, though? I mean, Sarah, you're absolutely right. And we've, we've already started to see that in the industry that, you know, we're seeing more independent programmers pop up um, because of systems like ip link and or i'm sorry touch link and system builder and now that amx is getting on board you're going to be able to see integrators handle more of their own day-to-day type systems and so you only have to bring in that specialty programmer for your 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 customization of larger deployments and and systems that have higher levels of complexity and it it makes it a win-win for everybody really at the end Mm -hmm. of the day because the the integrator gets the win of not having to pay a full-time programmer on staff and they can still service the needs of their customers and the the programmer gets to do what the programmer loves to do day in and day out and doesn't get stuck in an office shuffling paperwork when he doesn't have a system to do so i i definitely see it a win and ultimately this just means that more customers are going to be able to afford basic control in their systems right so there's it's not like it's going to totally take away customers from the custom programmers right I think it just opens up the end user market more. No, that's a very good point. The fact mm-hmm. that it will, it should at least, you know, lower some of the end cost to the to the end user, uh, at least for for more simple programs. Oh, absolutely, so. it does. I mean, Tim, you've done systems that the the programming cost is as much as the hardware. I mean, I like it, those systems. Oh, sure, you do. But <laughs> you know, it, it it really puts it out of reach for. Uh, people who need control but can't afford it um, because that cost is so high. So, I just bought a house. I need more systems like that. <laughs> you kidding me, dude? Seriously. All right. Um, this story is everywhere. Let's start with the lovely and talented Sarah Abrams. Uh, jump over to the old and grumpy John Huntington and <laughs> the boys over at Engadget. Um Actually, Sarah and John are saying the same thing, roughly the same thing. Uh, and the guys over at, over at Engadget uh, have... Yeah, I'm just not really uh, angry about it. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, let, let's, talk, let's, let's review what we're talking about first, and that's Tupac Shakur. Um, 
Tupac performed over the weekend at uh, Coachella. <laughs> it was cool. It was awesome. Uh, it wasn't. Kind of, it, it was creepy. It was creepy. I thought it was exactly. Cool. I thought it, it was. was it was. It was creepy. Now, had I'm he sorry, been on can stage? Can you imagine having been at that audience in the audience, having been at a music festival for a couple of days, seeing a rapper on stage who looks totally real and has been dead for 16 years? I'd be really confused. And and you possibly you know some mind altering substances in your <laughs> yeah. system. Possibly. Yeah, I could see how that'd be creepy. <laughs> see, if Elvis and John F. Kennedy had been on stage with him, then mm-hmm. that would have been creepy. <laughs> no, they're with the aliens, man. They're the aliens, yeah. Um, no, Biggie. Biggie should have been on stage with him. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Actually, oh speaking gosh. of Elvis, they did. It was a different technology, but there was a thing at where Elvis performed with Celine Dion a couple of years ago at a, an award show. So, so, so Tim, it, Tim, yeah. explain for our listeners what we're talking okay, about here. So here's here's the thing. The, yeah. um, they, at Coachella, the, the there was what Engadget is calling a hologram, and the reason I'm saying it that way is that both Sarah and and John Huntington are taking issue with the word hologram. What happened was Tupac came on stage and performed a few songs. Uh, it was a, obviously a video of of him doing so. And the company that made it possible, uh, AV Concepts, is calling it sort of a hologram, but it wasn't really. Uh, And I'll say, you know, the John Huntington part. uh, John's blog post is, it's not a expletive hologram part two, uh, because he he talked about this a couple years ago. It's something called Pepper's Ghost. Um, And Sarah, since you wrote the blog post of the four of us, uh, we'll kind of let you go through this, but it wasn't really a hologram, was it? Yeah, I mean, he's just angry because the technical definition of a hologram means that you can walk around it and it looks 3D from all angles. So yeah. if you, if it was really a hologram, you could walk to the side of the stage and you'd see Tupac's head. But really, if you walk to the side of the stage, in this instance, you would see nothing except Snoop Dogg, which would be pretty cool in and of itself yeah but um whoa, whoa, whoa. where did snoop yeah, dogg come from here he was performing one stage with he was him. oh yeah, okay dr dre and snoop dogg were performing with uh with dead the, tupac yes yes okay dead tupac um but from the front because i've actually seen this live in person which i talked about a little bit in the blog post um it looks completely realistic and the place i saw it was at infocom a couple years ago the same integration company av concepts had a setup where they had um, live musicians who were playing in London broadcast on stage and you could go on stage and they had some people like perform with them or just go stand on stage. I went and stood on stage. Um, And there's a video in my blog post where you can see, I think actually SCN's editor on stage with, and she's in Orlando and the performers on stage who look like they're there on stage with her are actually, you know, across the pond in London. It was pretty cool, and it looks very realistic. This, see, this to me is really cool, and the, the, some of this also gets into um, telepresence, actually, <laughs> which is a weird way to go with this. But yeah. I, I saw yeah. something similar to this, um, and I don't know if it was Life Size or somebody, um, but a telepresence company that did it was the you know the conference room table and and on the other side of of the there was a just basically a giant you know video screen and they also had a conference table and it was it wasn't a hologram but it was awfully convincing uh and awfully you know realistic when it comes to you know it wasn't quite 3d because there was no glasses and stuff like that but it was very realistic 
So, yeah, there's a good example of this at the um, uh, Abraham Lincoln Library in Springfield, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a really nice presentation using the um, the Pepper's Ghost methodology for um, giving that illusion, and that, I mean that's really what it is—just an illusion. But um, yeah, either way, dead Tupac is just weird. I was going to say, I think the technology part of it's very cool. Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, the telepresence applications, and there are a lot of applications where this sort of technology would be brilliant. Right. But for the most part, it was just creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so is that you wearing the dress? That's not me. That is, I think, uh, Kirsten Nelson from oh, okay. SCN. But I did go up on stage. and uh, You got to put that link out on the... We had page. a video of it a while yeah. ago. I need to go see if we could find the video because this is like two or three years ago. We actually tried to get so cursed. It's on actually, if you, this has been performed a bunch of times before because in 2006, they used this exact same technology by the same people, Musion and AV Concepts, at um, the Grammys where Madonna performed with the gorillas. And oh, no kidding. Yeah. yeah, it's the exact same thing. It's just gotten a lot of tension again. Okay, i got to pull that up. This time they did it with a dead person. Well, and the gorillas have, were, if you don't know who they were, they were actually, a. it was a, a bunch of people from multiple different bands, but their personalities were actually cartoons for a long time. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They were they were a virtual band that yes. put out real music. Yeah. Although That's this, really good. The, I looked it up because I wasn't sure, but the Tupac performance is also animated. It's not a previous recording. Oh, it's not. Okay. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a very good animation. Yeah, <laughs> no pretty good. You can tell a little bit from his movement if you watch the whole video, but. Um, Somewhere in one of these articles, you can find out the animation studio that did it. They did a really good job and spent months doing it. It looks pretty good. darn real. That's yeah. Oh, here's oh, there's the gorillas. I think it's called Digital Domain is the name of the animation company. But hmm. yeah, it's did a good job. Very cool. All right, moving on to the next blog that we're going to talk about. Um, for some reason, every time that we have Dawn on, she she writes a blog that week, and I don't know if it's a coincidence or not. Uh, but it always gets me thinking. And this one was really cool, too, because I love Arthur. Uh, I don't like the remake because I didn't even watch it, to be honest about it. I'm, Dawn puts in there that she's not a big fan of Russell Brand, and neither am I. <laughs> um, but it got her to thinking and got me to thinking. Um, here's the question, and we'll go around the, the, the horn, and we'll start with Miss Dawn. Would anyone approach system integration as a hobby for fun? Or, what are you doing, Michael? Sorry, it's the gorillas. Well, mute it. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, for fun, on a Saturday afternoon, instead of flying a kite. So basically, would you do this as, just for the heck of it, as a hobby instead of, you know, stamp collecting or something? What was well, the question? I'm sorry. You're fired. Wow. You are so, so fired. Hey, I'm having fun over here. Dawn. The Would question you, the yeah, question was thank you. in the movie I'll give a little backstory for those that haven't seen the movie because the fact that they remade Dudley Morris Arthur and then put Russell Brand in the lead is just uh. appalling to me anyway but <laughs> at one point the be- the redeeming feature of the movie other than Helen Mirren was the fact that he goes on this rant about a, a newspaper ad looking for a systems integration professional and he says who would do this as an amateur? Would anyone approach systems integration as a hobby for fun on a Saturday afternoon instead of flying a kite? 
And I, my husband, Mr. A.V. Dawn, and I laughed out loud at that. It was like the one redeeming feature of the movie. But, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of true. It, it's, and the way I answered it in my column is, well, yes, there are systems integration hobbyists out there. Everybody in the industry is one because we all, I mean, admit it, if you don't have some sort of home theater or home automation or home something at your house that you've put together from pieces from the office and pieces appropriated from dumpsters and eBay and whatever else, you're not really in the AV world or, or the computer world, even for computer systems integrators. I mean, the people that do it for a job have a passion and do it for a hobby as well. But there's also a lot of other integration hobbyists who are just, you know, AV hobbyists who are IT guys or AV hobbyists who are just, instead of being gearheads working on a car, they work on home theater or, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. There are people doing it as amateurs on Saturday for fun instead of flying a kite. And they sometimes try to poach our business and mm-hmm. then we get it back when they screw up and we have to fix it. <laughs> well, and, and Michael, not to do a complete. Are you back with us, by the way? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was just looking at Don's little video here with Arthur. Um, not to be a complete, have a completely shameless plug, but but us and and Rave has have a fabulous show hosted by our buddy George Tucker called <laughs> yeah. DIY, and it's Good all show. about these guys. Yes, it is. You know, all about these guys who do this on the weekend and do it on the side. Uh, this month, he, by the way, he talked to people who make their own instruments, which is pretty cool. So, oh, that we had Michael Martin and some of the other uh, wonderful people. Um, in the music business on very good so are you are you do you do this for the heck of it or on the side instead of flying a kite man i'll tell you what when i got started in this business i did um now i (laughs) i don't have time anymore (laughs) i really don't i wish i did um but i i mean i think we would be amiss to say that the majority of those of us that are seriously in the av business are tweak heads to some sort of you know to, to some level um, if you're in the integration business, uh, every one of my staff members, whether they're in sales uh, or engineering or technician, just like you said, Don, they've got something going on on the side. You know, they're helping a family member, a relative, and tweaking it for the fun of it, or just because they have the expertise to do it. But you know what's interesting with that is we build these lovely, elaborate systems for our customers. <laughs> And then we just hodgepodge everything together for ourselves. Right. It's because we can't afford the- <laughs> That's absolutely right. You know, like you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with eBay. I've got some eBay searches set up looking for for Pro 2 processors and <laughs> E-net cards and, you know, different well, little things like that. That uh, Exactly. I mean, in the last month, we got a new uh, – we're an AMX house because we had a salvage AMX system in our house from way back. And we just got a new uh, – what were the little R2 um, – handheld controllers oh, yeah. the the you know the the, the mio mm-hmm. mio r4 we just got an r4 and a, a thermostat controller to tie into the amx system and, and 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 you're exactly right though everyone that's in this and does it for a living ends up with the horrible system at home with the rack that looks like a cable explosion happened behind <laughs> it and and you know it ends laying about half crimped and, yeah. and it's always it's always a work in progress and for me a and, wife and, always frustrated because the system never works right right <laughs> exactly or you change something or because i changed it and didn't tell her yeah well and actually and and sarah you guys um i don't know if it was you or gary or somebody uh turned me on to the thermostat you guys got at the office and it's the nest thermostat. that thing yeah which one was it nest the nest thermostat. oh nest yeah yeah 
And, and so it's it's if it's not like you know full blown you know control systems, but it's it's simple stuff like like the Nest, mm-hmm. which allows you to to geek out and technologize your house um, on a somewhat simple basis, I guess. Well, I guess I think that um, every AV company, whether it was an integrator or a manufacturer, probably started out in someone's garage. So, I don't know. Tinkerers make the industry go round. Yes. Well, if you think about it, almost every integrator you know started like that. I mean, they all started yeah. fairly small. I mean, even even the little guys. I mean, you got your or the big guys. You, you got some that you know started as corporate entities, but. Most of the guys I know that are doing fairly well these days, it was a one-man shop at the beginning, and and it just started as a as a, a gearhead uh, passion. Well, and one of one of my favorite people to talk about when we talk about stuff like this is is our buddy Rich Fragosa, who right. twenty years ago, you know, sat down and watched a VHS you know instruction tape on how to repair VCRs, and he'll still tell he'll still tell you to this day he's a VCR repairman. Yeah, he's he's a rather well paid VCR repairman, but he's a VCR repairman nonetheless, you know. And and he does you know system. In, in all seriousness, he does system programming and a, and a whole you know whole lot of other things. But that's how he started out. He started out very simply, and 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 now he's you know has a fairly you know successful business doing it. So yeah, yeah. There's a pretty there's a couple maybe six months ago there was a pretty interesting article in Forbes about Crestron and George Feldstein and. Um, he started Crestron in his garage, just making, you know, a little problem-solving product. Yeah, probably relays. <laughs> yeah, well, something like it, that. It's why one of the biggest comments I hear from new people in the industry is, "You mean I can get paid to do this for a living? <laughs> really? Because they're the people that are like, like you said, tinkering in the garage or or doing these systems for fun or fixing grandma's VCR." And it's just fun for us, you know. Maybe we're not normal people as as an industry, but you know that's that's what I love about it. And I she hits the nail on the head. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I get paid all day to play with speakers and mics and and TVs and and computers. And are you kidding me? That's my job. I love it. You know. So I I think that there's a lot of truth that you know we're we're just tinkerers by nature, and that's that's where it comes from. So yeah, we are doing this for fun on a Saturday instead of flying a kite. You know, because most of us can't fly a kite. And if so. we are flying a kite, it's using a, uh, a wireless touch panel with a RF link to the string. Well, it's that's... a TPS six X because it's wireless. And... Some of those servaliers running out the thread, the, mm-hmm. the the string has a gyroscopic yeah. control at the bottom of the. <laughs> wow, we come up with all kinds. Oh, we got to do that. Okay, new AV Nation contest. Whoever can come up with an automated kite flying machine. Nice. And it can't just hold the string. <laughs> You're not right. <laughs> Moving on from our buddies over in Gadget. Um, Tim's had enough. <laughs> I love RoboCop. Let me just start. <laughs> I do. I, I don't like like two and three and five and ten, but I do love the original. And um, the uh, the the headline says uh, MGM delivers 600 movies to YouTube and Google Play, giving you one more place or two more places actually. To watch RoboCop. Uh, We've talked about, you know, different ways that we can get content and the fact that DVDs are dead and Laserdiscs are long dead and and, and this, that, and the other. Only because Tim killed them. But um, I'm ignoring you now. Um, This, to me, is another step and another nail in the whole DVD coffin. And another reason why stuff like, you know, the DVD CCA uh, deal with Kaleidoscape is kind of a moot point. Um, 
but it, this is just another evolution in in media delivery. Um, Sarah, we'll start with you. Is is this is this MGM coming to the table finally, and is this maybe a sign of other studios coming to the whole you know internet delivery table, or is it just MGM being ultra <laughs> uber? Yeah, I sure hope so. <laughs> um, I think we're kind of in the middle of an interesting thing when it comes to content because it's like it's hard to get older movies now. You know, like you don't if you wanted to watch some old movie that you didn't own, but you wanted to watch on your home theater or whatever, you used to go to the movie store and rent it. But now, if you can find a movie store, you know, a movie rental place, they probably don't have it i don't know so well, i think pro- it's pretty well, you probably don't have a mental re- movie rental place let's start there yeah that's what i mean like so i'll give you an example that's really embarrassing i'm kind of don't want to tell this but <laughs> last summer my friend wanted to watch adventures and babysitting and then <laughs> that is my <laughs> wife's favorite movie i love that movie well she wanted oh, to do you that love that movie i do i had the, i had the biggest crush on her <laughs> the girl in the movie is obsessed with Thor. Yes. Yes. So I could not get the movie Adventures in Babysitting anywhere. It was not on Netflix, streaming, or disc. It was not a blockbuster, which we do still have one for the moment. Um, obviously, it was not at Redbox or on uh, iTunes. So we never watched it because it couldn't get it anywhere. I could have probably bought the original DVD online, but that, you know, I don't really have a need to by adventures and babysitting so i think we bought we the five dollar version at uh in the that big walmart uh value basket right the outside bin. the electron the big bin mm-hmm. we we're digging through that and saw it bought it there oh really yeah i'm sure that's where all of the existing copies of that movie live yeah. three dollar dvds yeah, yeah. Exactly. and ones like it which is unfortunate because there's a lot of great movies like that so it's frustrating because i think that like streaming has so much like opportunity for the consumer if the movie studios can just get on board. And this, you know, is an example of one doing that, but um, they're sure not making it easy or quick. No, no, not not by a long shot. Even for people who are willing to pay money to watch things, you know? Right. Well, that's like I would have paid $5 to rent adventures of babysitting. Did you check um, Amazon just out of curiosity? (laughs) What? Did you check Amazon's streaming or Amazon's thingy? Uh, no, but I didn't called? have a way to get that to my TV. Oh, okay. so. I bet you could have found it on BitTorrent. Well, <laughs> yes, if I wanted to Did I say that out loud? my laptop <laughs> and watch it, I probably could have. But. Yeah, you know, that's the unfortunate part, though, Sarah, yes. is, is that... You know, there is some great stuff out there, and it, even stuff that's more current, you got to look 10 different places to find it because Netflix may have it or they may not. You may have to go to Google Play or you may have to go to um, to the iTunes store or you just don't know where to find this stuff and nobody's really got an aggregation point to get all this stuff. And, you know, I had a, a Hulu Plus account and a Netflix account and a iTunes account and I finally just like, how do I find stuff, man? You know, you got to search all three places and then you might get a hit. So to get mm-hmm. what you're looking for, it's 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 ridiculous. And, and and Sarah, just so you know, you could have watched it instantly on Amazon for two bucks. 
So do they really have it? For to rent. To yeah. To oh, rent. no kidding. Yeah, and, and there's a couple different... I guess I'll just be forced to purchase one of those Samsung smart TVs for that. <laughs> well, th- what is it? Amazon is on a couple different things. They are on uh, the Roku. You yeah. can get it on uh, TiVo and something else. I, I wish... I actually wish that Amazon uh, stuff was on other things like maybe the Apple TV or uh, yeah. the 360 well, it'd be nice if something. there was any one device that had access to all of the different services, but of course the services are owned by different yeah. uh, cable companies or right. movie studios and they don't want to play together. So you either have right. like six boxes sitting on <laughs> wherever you're keeping those um, or you just don't have access to them, which is the case because I could have watched Amazon on my computer, but I had no way to get it to my TV. So. Well, it sounds like you need an AV integrator tweak head to help you with that. No. Yeah, because we can watch our computers on our TV. <laughs> you, you would think you knew one we'll, that wanted to. <laughs> we'll, we'll set you up, sweetie. Don't worry about that. Okay. Well, it, okay. So, so, uh, so, Dawn, you've got your 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 stuff hooked up to your TV. Is this is this something, um, you know, RoboCop aside and Adventures and Babysitting aside, um, is this something where you and Mister Av Dawn can sit down at night and you know bring up Rocky or or Rain Man or something like that? Um, and is this them, you know, at least finally coming to the table and, um, and hopefully, you know, making others do as well? Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the reasons, one of the reasons why we, we made it so that when we want to watch something on the, on, we have a plasma, it's an old plasma at that, a pioneer, you know, 503 wow. CMX. That's going it's back. still going great, you know, but we, we hooked it up so that we could attach it to our computers and output to the screen because we knew there was going to be content we wanted to watch on our computers that we just can't get, you know, through our satellite service. Um, I, I was on the show a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the whole uh, lawsuit with the the DVD companies and, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't even remember the company now. Um, and, and, and we Why were discussing... Say- yeah, Kaleidoscape, thank you. And we were discussing content delivery and, and the fact that it's now a content world. And, you know, I'm glad to see MGM's playing nice finally. I think we do need, a, like, a central aggregator of all these different services. And, and, and it's not just the, the sta- studios themselves not playing nice together. They're not playing nice with themselves and their services. Right. Uh, Case in point, you know, uh, Mr. A.V. Dom was a fabulous husband and got me the the uh, Kindle Fire for Christmas. And so now I've been playing with the Amazon streaming video and streaming movie, and we've rented a few things for two ninety nine or whatever. And just in the past week, their gold box deal of the day was the Harry Potter movies that wow. you could buy, not buy, not rent, the Harry Potter movies for three ninety nine, which is Holy about cow. the price they charge for renting. And it's the streaming version. Well, I was all over that because, you know, I'm a big old Harry Potter geek. But what was weird was they were offering one through six at $3.99 to purchase. And they offered eight, Deathly Hallows 2, for like $7.99 to purchase. But this first Deathly Hallows movie wasn't available. And it wasn't just not available. It wasn't just not available for the particular gold box deal. It wasn't available for streaming, for rental, or purchase on the Amazon streaming video, you know, content delivery system. And I was like, well, it's the same production company and the same studio and the same everything. What on earth? But, you know, so things like that, you know, still make us say, hmm, what, what's going on there, companies? You know, you need to get your ducks in a row. You know, so until they can get their own houses in order, I don't think we're going to see 
an aggregate place where we could just one subscription and get content to everything. And that's what people are demanding. And that's what, where the world is going. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, we cobble together, you know, computer output cables to our TVs and we have our Amazon accounts and our Netflix and our HBO go and, and hope for the best, but we're still going to miss things once in a while. Well, yeah. And, and Sarah mentioned, you know, having six, six boxes, some people, you know, some people, I am one of them. I have three HDMI connections on my TV. And so you go, okay, what do you really, really want? <laughs> yeah, because you're not going to get them all. No, I mean, I want right. my 360, you know, and, and um, my Apple TV, and I've got a Western Digital, which I guess technically I could do component or composite, and I've got a cable box in there somewhere, and, you know, so yeah, you've got, okay, so I've got this many things, and, every, and you know, Netflix is, is the one company, I think, regardless of the whole Quickster thing, that have that's done this right because they're on all of them. <laughs> I mean, I seriously, yeah, every single stupid box I have has Netflix on it. Yeah. Yes, mine right. too. You know, I have a PlayStation and an Apple TV, and the, they both have Netflix, yeah. and neither of them have Amazon. No, or no, Hulu. not at all. Although uh, I'm hoping the, that the Apple TV will get Hulu. The eventually. 360 has has Hulu. Yeah. Um, if you have the Hulu Plus, but I, I, I yeah. don't. Um, you know what's you know well, what's about that though. Regular Hulu on any devices now. Well, that's just yeah, it. Right. You know, it'd be great if they did. Well, and the one the one on Western Digital, the interface is so horrendous yeah. that I actually un- unsubscribed from Hulu Plus because it was just you couldn't find anything. Hmm. It was awful, and they took off you know Doctor Who, so that was. <laughs> <laughs> I was out at that point. Um, actually, do you know where, like? Where can you get Google Play besides like Android and Amazon devices? That's a really that's the good only question. place I know. I've got well, a Galaxy Tab. I just downloaded it last night. That's you the can, only place. I mean, you could do like like Don and, and Mr. Av. Don have done. You could hook up your 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 computer to your display and you know download it on your you know mm-hmm. on your no. computer. But that's get the Google TV. Well, I shouldn't know if there was anything oh. that like an integrator could set up easily for a. And end user or whatever, like if there was a TV or a box or something. Well, we can use but, East, we could use eScript with uh, Crestron Control. We'll and, give them time. I mean, hey. uh, Crestron this week. Not that it was a, it wasn't a story we were going to talk about, but Crestron this week um, released a, an integration with with Pandora, so they're, yeah. they're mm-hmm. capable of doing it. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. all right. Um, last and certainly not least, uh, we come to the Rave Publications New Reader's Choice Award. Power to the people. <sighs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, that was an exciting group. <laughs> I think it's cool because it's, it's, uh, we, we talked about this on, on the Daily Rave today, and um, <laughs> Gary said something, and I was like, well, wait a minute, dude. You, you, no. He, what it is, first of all, is it's an opportunity for you as a reader of, of Rave Publications, and if you're not, you should be, so go there now, ravepubs.com. Um you can nominate currently um, up until May 6th, Sarah? May 4th. Um, May yes, 5th. because then – or May 4th. May 4th. After May 4th, we're going to switch to – we're going to have the nominated companies be up and have people vote on the final winners. Okay, so up until May 4th, you have the opportunity to nominate um, an AV company from everything from the best training program – to the best website, the best control manufacturer, the best projector manufacturer, so on and so forth. And Gary's like, you know, 
a lot of these, you know, we know who's, you know, you, you guys know who the, the industry guys are going to be. You know, you, everybody's favorite manufacturer is this. Yeah, everybody's favorite control manufacturer is this. <laughs> and I said, hold up, dude. Hang on. <laughs> I said, there's an awful lot of rabid fans when it comes to certain manufacturers. And there are, which is why mm-hmm. I'm mentioning this. Because, you know what, there's an awful lot of, you know, dyed-in-the-wool blue uh Extron guys or blue Crestron guys or what's AMX's colors? Purple. Purple. Purple AMX guys. Um, And I'm not discounting, you know, Savant and Control 4 and anybody else. Um, So this is. You may have only said that because of the responses we've gotten so far for a couple of the categories. They've been almost unanimous in the nominations, but that's why, you know, we want to get the word out there because we really want input from everyone in the industry so kind of tell me how this this is going to work and then uh because you guys are going to after may 4th then there's a, an actual ballot and then you guys are going to release the the mm-hmm. winners uh during infocom well um we do a couple awards a year including after infocom we do awards based on what we see at the show but we thought it'd be fun this year to do a reader's choice set of awards where we just ask the readers who their favorite manufacturers and products are um, and find out what everyone really thinks. So until May 4th, we're taking nominations for the 13 categories where you can um, nominate a company or a product and then just, you know, give us a few sentences why, because we want to know why. If there's some small company we don't even know about that someone really thinks is the greenest AV, manuf- AV manufacturer, then we want to know why you think that, and we'll take that into consideration. And then after that, we'll... Um, We'll be able to vote on the final winners. I have a suggestion for a category next year. You do? Mm-hmm. What is that? Your favorite AV podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what favorite AV podcast host? Uh, no, I didn't say host. I simply said <laughs> podcast. I'm going to suggest that. Category. Oh, yeah. And say, oh, it's him, but the problem is then that dude in Australia will win, and then I'll feel bad. <laughs> right. <He> will. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually a pretty cool guy. Or you'd be up against all your other podcast hosts. We got like we got to get up at the butt crack of dawn to talk to him, but he's pretty cool. Oh yeah, that was an early morning. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I think Don was still asleep when we talked to him. Uh, usually, my name may be Don, but I've never voluntarily seen. There one, we so. are. There it is. <laughs> so uh, yeah, all kidding aside, go to ravebubs dot com and uh, put your two cents in for you know everything from your your favorite. Uh, screen manufacturer to uh, mounts and, and so everything like that. So uh, that is all I have. Does anybody else have anything you want to rant about or just you know say, hey, this is kind of cool? Anybody? Michael, you still with us? Are you playing? Still? Oh, I, I'm playing. You're playing on your. Yeah, I'm, I'm your watching Madonna and the and the gorillas and the gorillas still. All right, so um, Miss Av Dawn has been with us. She is the fabulous. Marketing and Media Coordinator for NetAV. Uh, you can find her at, uh, she's a blogger for Rave Pubs, so you can find her at ravepubs.com. You can find her at avdawn.com. And also uh, the uh, the Twitter verse, you can find her there under uh, at avdawn. Thank you so much for joining us, ma'am. Thanks for having me. Um, Miss Sarah Abrams is editor extraordinaire at uh, at Rave Pubs. She's the one that keeps most of us in line. At least she tries to a lot of times. <laughs> Sends me really, really, really good in-depth in, in emails and says, can you please stop doing that? It's called There's... constructive criticism, Tim. 
Okay. It's Everyone's con- podcast hates me. It's constructive <laughs> when she does it. It's just complaining when you do it. Well, this is true. But, but, but I mean, come on. It's easier to take it from her. She's sweeter than I am. I can't help it. She's also more literate than you are, too. Well, so. this is true, but that's I wasn't going to say She's more educated it. than you are. Hey, hey, hey. You can stop there. Blushing. Michael got, no, no, Michael got kicked out of Bible school this first semester, so he's never been. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's a there's a whole story. story. Uh, yeah, there's we, a whole story that we won't get into because I we went into it on another show. One I want to keep my clean rating. So <laughs> let's just say let's just say I wasn't meant for Bible college. <laughs> he's not allowed back in any assembly of God church ever again. <laughs> uh, but thank you, seriously, Sarah, for for joining us. So yeah, it was my pleasure. Uh, you can find her and all her blog stuff on ravepubs.com. Uh, Mr. Michael Drainer, Mr. Kicked Out of Bible College. Uh, yes, sir. He is from Tech Electronics, the Sound and AV Systems Manager. He has a blog. He has a Twitter. He doesn't do either. Um, <laughs> but if you'd like to follow his non-tweets, uh, they are at uh, Michael Drainer. Um, and his blog is michaeldrainer.com. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And I just repeat Tim's tweets and Don's tweets and George's tweets. and Probably Sarah's the smartest thing you can do. It is. <laughs> You don't, uh, you don't want to hear what I have to say, that's no. for sure. Um, if you'd like to follow mine, it's Tim T.D. Albright, Tim David Albright, but more importantly for me, and actually everybody here and all the other guys that help us out, please go to the website, check out all of our other podcasts. Uh, we have a daily one we do with Gary uh, Gary K, uh, where he sounds really smart, and I just press record, basically. <laughs> um, it's called the, the Daily Rave. Uh, George Tucker has a whole lot of them. Um, a whole lot of other people do a whole lot of really, really good and, and great work. So go to the website, ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Thank you so much for listening. It's all the time we have for AV Week. 